Ignite your curiosity with Austin next. We're watching Austin transform from a thriving ecosystem into a global superstar. With our host, Jason Scharf, we aspire to better comprehend the true nature of innovation. Together, we will uncover what makes a successful ecosystem and navigate the technologies shaping our future. Now let's dive into what's next. Hi, and welcome to the one-year anniversary show of Austin Next. Today, Jason and I thought we'd talk about where we're going and what's next. We've had 40 episodes so far, and we have a lot of people to thank. Obviously, our families, Nick Chamberlain at Every Word Media, our producer, and all of our amazing guests. I figured we'd start today with each of us talking a little bit about our favorite three episodes. For me, it's three of the episodes we had early on. Our first episode with John Butler where we talked about where Austin's been and how we got set up to become the city we are today. Mark Nathan, the great connector who talked about the network that we have here and why Austin connects best. And finally, Ross Duvall, who did our first research episode where we had more of the numbers in terms of what's happening in Austin. Jace, what were your three episodes? Before I jump into one of my three, I find interesting when we look at, you know, our numbers and the episodes that are resonating with the audience, the John Butler episode, which has, again, been a year ago, still is constantly listened to. It's probably one of our top episodes, and it's people are trying to understand what is Austin as they're kind of going through. You can't, you can't understand the future before the, the past. And so it's always interesting that that's, that continues to be one of our highest rated and continues to have a shelf life long beyond the kind of the standard podcast of, you know, a month or two. When I think about my favorite three, and I want to change the question up a little bit. It's almost the the three that are resonating with me at the moment. And it's uh, on the other side of the spectrum, right? So it's much more recent episodes. So it really comes down to uh, the Cullum Clark Future of Cities episode, which was actually our last episode, uh, the multi-hub region with John Garrett from Community Impact, and then the super regions, the Texas Triangle with Ed Curtis. And What we're seeing is the change of how cities and ecosystems connect and converge and what does that, what does a downtown mean and what does the periphery cities, is it this sun with the orbiting planets kind of situation that, you know, John described, is it this polycentric geography that Cullum talked about where it really is, you've got a downtown in each of these cities and they kind of live work play environment and yeah, you kind of commute in to each of these, but how do we then maintain that connectivity? And then you take that exact same question that we're talking about in from Austin to Georgetown to Bastrop, right? And then bring that into the Texas Triangle. We're talking about like, okay, Dallas and San Antonio and Houston. How do you maintain this interconnectivity and creative collisions when the geography is is ever increasing? It's not everybody going downtown. And so so that's the question that's really resonating with me at the moment and also kind of driving what what's happening then. It's interesting in that everything we thought might have happened when we looked at the pandemic has turned out to be wrong. And everything that the pandemic did was accelerate the trends that were already in place. Whether it's hybrid work environment, we used to call it telecommuting, whether it's dependence upon video calls instead of air travel, all that stuff that we saw growing slowly but surely, it's like somebody lit a match to a rocket ship in March of 2020. And look at all the things that have happened since then. 
But you have the pendulum going both directions, right? Like, you know, I take me personally. If you'd asked me in 2019, does geography matter? I would have said, absolutely, you got to be in one of these hubs. If you'd asked me in 2020, I would have said, no, which of course is the reason we moved. But then at the same time, we did move to a hub. So that is something interesting there. And then in 2021, while have, spending the last year as a remote worker, I've seen the challenges of work, especially that remote being out of state, right? Like how do we build collaboration with people that you're not seeing day to day beyond just, you know, having a, a video conference? How do you deal with it from an activity base? If I got to do a one-on-one, great, Zoom's fine. If I want to do a strategic planning session that's going to take eight hours, probably don't want to do that via Zoom. No, absolutely. Right. But then it's not something you need to do every day. If you're a specialized equipment, say manufacturing in the lab, that's a kind of a different environment. And so where I'm kind of landing on today as you think about this, and it's almost this, this cross between the Texas Triangle and the Austin region is when we think about hybrid, and I always kind of don't like that word because it's it's so vague. It means it can mean so many different types of things. Is can I be in the office tomorrow? Is it is it a situation where like we have an emergency? Can I get in the office tomorrow? We have to meet whatever it may be. Well, if I'm in Austin and, and clearly that's a center point, well, the answer to that is Houston to San Antonio to Waco. I can do all those. That, that's just driving. That doesn't count kind of the plane. So it's it really is kind of something I'm trying to think a lot about is. If that's the, let's say that becomes the new region, right? Where you have kind of Austin the center and those kind of at the, the tips of this kind of mini triangle. How do you really kind of get the knowledge and the talent and everything flowing as we have the spread out, but it, but it's what people want. And I think it's, it's how we see the, the trends moving. And the future is, the past is prologue. The future is the past, whatever. That's something I used to do 22 years ago. I used to fly up to the Bay Area once a week for a meeting with a client. And it was every Wednesday morning. We climbed on an airplane out of Orange County when we had our meeting. We worked from 11 to 4 or 11 to 5 and then flew back home. So it's absolutely possible with the tools we have today to expand the meaning of where you work and how you have those creative collisions because you're right. You're going to need to have that combination of alone time and video conferencing and face-to-face if you're a knowledge worker. Obviously, none of that's true in a factory environment. None of that's true in a service environment. But if you're a knowledge worker, that is where we are now. And I think where we're going to be much more going forward. And then you have the gravity of the local environment. I don't know what percentage of people are like me in Austin right now where you, you know, we live here. Every, everything is here except for physically the rest of the company, right? And you start having this gravity, I think, that over time, if all things being equal, wouldn't you just be at a company that's here versus a company that's that's somewhere else? And I think you're going to have that as an interesting talent pool that is going to get back to the geography does matter. I think you're right. You talked about this several times uh, a while ago. And Austin is in a unique situation where we've attracted people who were remote workers And now we have the opportunity to convert them into Austinites working for Austin-based companies. Or at least companies that have a stronger regional presence in Austin and understanding that's kind of that you have this kind of talent pool. And I think that's, why is that? I mean, getting back to, you know, this is the anniversary episode, right? And we look at what we've observed. And I don't like to necessarily say that we built out seasons, but if you kind of listen and 
structure the whole podcast. There's a seasonality form to it. I mean, if you look at from July to December of 2021, it was very observational. It was very, we're new and we're going to look at things at the 50,000 foot level and what's going on here, right? Trying to understand things. You also could always tell what was on our mind if you It was a good like, you know, five or six episodes in a row that was Samsung might be coming, Samsung might be coming, Samsung might be coming. And of course, oh, wait a minute, Samsung's here. Right. Yeah. Um, And it was funny, actually, you know, because um, uh, Sarah, my my wife, made this comment that, you know, the other day she's like, oh, and this other semiconductor company is coming. It's, It's funny how it was the number one topic for a long time. And now it's it's old hat because. Micron and NXP's adding and you just all this new, you know, it, it's, it's once you broke the dam, it's just going. And that's true in other industries. We are becoming chip city. I hate the term, but not only that, but this is the center of gravity for EVs today. Obviously Tesla, Rivian and others are here. And so they're here and now their vendors and their partners are coming here as well. And I think the same thing is going to happen as we move out into the healthcare field more. I think the same thing is going to happen with Oracle expanding their presence in software and databases and now healthcare. This is definitely a change in Austin in terms of being a pull for other companies rather than a push, a great one, by the way, by folks like, you know, the Austin Chamber and the Round Rock Chamber and the other Dallas and everybody else going out and soliciting companies coming here. But now you talk to Ed Curtis of Y Texas, and it's all about they've made the decision to come here. How do we help them succeed when they get here? Right. You had Caterpillar moving to Dallas without any incentives or anything kind of going there. I also think it's you see the pull from a talent perspective. That's very much what you had in the Bay Area. You see also the kind of startups that want to be in the shadow of XYZ company because I'm here, hopefully that XYZ will buy me, right? And I think that's going to take a little bit longer as a reason as we start getting more unicorns becoming long-term companies. Now, to your point, Oracle, Tesla, Dell, you've got some possible major requires here. But I think the other part is the supply chain and the fact that we have such a strong manufacturing base, that actually pulls another level, right? So, you know, Apple's manufacturing is all in China. So nobody who is in that realm in the supply chain was moving to the Bay Area, right? Versus, okay, Tesla has the Gigafactory here. Samsung has additional, um, you know, chip capacity. So the downstream of companies that are filling those, those needs need to be physically close by. So I think that becomes a further building block as we go. So... Wanted to step back. One of the big things that we, why we wanted to do this episode was what are our big observations? What have we learned in a year, right? And if you've listened a couple of times, we've, we've talked about the Austin superpowers as we've kind of identified them, what it makes it unique. Because I think, you know, pound the table on this, hit it, you know, becoming a broken record is I, I don't want to be Silicon X, right? Silicon Hill, Silicon Beach, Silicon Alley. You always are in that position of, well, then why don't I just go to the original, right? Instead, we want to be the first Austin. And what does that mean? And how does that create its own flair and things start to look Austin-like? And so it's been over the time that we've identified these. It's also been interesting as people have brought up their own secret sauce. And a lot of times there's some overlap with, uh, with these as well, which is always 
validating that um, you know we're we're seeing something that's there. So what we're gonna do, you know, we'll we'll I'll introduce them and we'll kind of dive into them a little bit. One of the things that you know, if you listen to our you know Amber Gunst episode, we've had these same kind of superpowers, but we've recently kind of changed how we're we're thinking about them. And so the way that we have thought about them and changed is we're kind of grouping them now, right? If you listen to an old uh, an episode that I did with Tom Singer, I I talked about what we are or who we are and what we do. I've changed the framework a little bit now. And we've broken them down into what we're calling like the Austin mindset, the Austin environment, and the Austin way. And really what those are. So the Austin mindset. The Austin mindset is we're living in the future. And what does that mean? That means we're developing innovative technologies and we're deploying them here. We're cool. I think it's rather self-explanatory, but we'll, we'll get into, you know, we've got all sorts of amazing events and reasons that people enjoy being here. It gets down to the lifestyle. When you think about the Austin environment, this is really about, you know, the zeitgeist that's going on, right? So we have a culture of helping, which leads to open networks and collaboration. People want to work together here. Back to what we were talking about in the beginning, we're part of the Texas Triangle. And more and more, what does that actually mean and how does that interplay with each other? The final grouping is what we're calling the Austin way. And that really is we build, kind of back to that same manufacturing, physical product type of situation we're talking about. And then the final is we leverage the power of and, and how that kind of convergence of everything, of talent, of ideas, of sectors, really is a powerful combination. And that's leading us to be some amazing results and makes us really optimistic. We're not naively optimistic. We see the challenges ahead, as you kind of said in the beginning, but I think that's really what kind of is driving us, driving us forward. So let's take a look at those superpowers in more detail and, and start with the Austin mindset. We are absolutely living in the future here. There is no doubt about it. And as Jason mentioned, that's not only building the future, but deploying it here. Great examples. Icon 3D. The homes that they're building are here in Austin. They're going to be doing these things on Mars. They're going to be doing these things, you know, all over the place. They started here. We're deploying it here. I don't think there's a day that goes by if you're in the central business district downtown in Austin where you won't see one of those little autonomous delivery vehicles running around the streets, you know, taking stuff wherever they're taking it. And that's just nothing I'd ever seen before I got here. And it's great that we're deploying that. We've got multiple drone products. I mean, let's see, Capital Factory and a couple other folks just opened a new uh, area for drone companies to be able to build and test their drones up by the 360 and the bridge. And finally, hey, blockchain, NFTs, Web3. We just had another one of those uh, fairs, if you will, here, one of those conferences here, talking about where NFTs go and where they come from. I'm really involved in it because I'm on the board of one of those companies. But I will tell you right now that there is no way that we've even scratched the surface of what we're going to be doing with Web3 and, and, and the blockchain. I think the first Austin, so con- consensus moving here is a great example of that. So it was a New York conference. It's obviously outside of my realm a little bit. It's a New York conference that's been around for about five years, moved to Austin and one of the first things that they did was say, hey, we need to be more festival-like. We need to be more like South By because this is the particular Austin flavor. So not only are we having that gravitational pull then in these kind of things, but then they're becoming distinctly Austin. 
Right. And that ties into, obviously, the We Are Coal Mem. And this is right in line with that old slogan for Austin about keeping Austin weird. There is so much going on here. South by, ACL, F1 out at Coda. The consumer packaged goods companies that we have that are Austin-based, Austin-focused, and exporting our culture. I don't care if it's tequila or Whole Foods. And then, of course, Texas football. We've got a growing food scene here, film, and you came up with this one, and I hadn't heard about it. Texas, especially Austin, is the hub for bachelor and bachelorette parties. I was told this. I have no actual background in doing this. But no, actually, I did look it up, and, and it's true. What I think the key with the, with the bachelorette parties is, as an example, the, the football, at least, is that we, we got to back to the superpowers because of the question of why do we seem to punch above our weight? We, we started with calling it the Austin narrative before we talked about the superpowers, right? And because if you ask anybody on the street, you know, whatever metric you want to use, where did Austin's ecosystem rank, right, in the U.S.? And, and most people would say five, right, somewhere around there, just below, you know, New York, Bay Area, Boston, L.A. And if you look at the static figures, not the dynamic, right, you know, whether it's VC funding or whatever, we tended to be eight, nine, ten. I think some of the interesting data that's coming out this year as we're having a bit of a divergence, right, like just using VC funding, the first couple of quarters for VC funding globally is down 20%. Looking at the data so far that's gone out, you know, from this year or from this quarter, we're going to have by far our biggest quarter ever. You know, we have, I think our highest is 1.9 billion based on my back of the envelope. We're going to be closer to two, 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 three, because, you know, boring company and set point alone is like 1.5 billion. Yeah. And that talks a lot about thing, a thing that we've been talking about quite a bit here. And we're looking at, I'm not going to use the R word, but we're looking at an economic storm, a brewing. And I don't know if it's going to hit first quarter, second quarter of this year, third quarter and fourth quarter of this year. It doesn't matter. The point is that we're obviously having some rough times economically. And the question for Austin is how best to weather that storm, whether we're going to weather that storm better than other areas, it looks like we're going to. And how do we come out of that storm stronger than ever? I think that we've got so much going for ourselves here, and I don't need to be too overly optimistic because gas prices are almost five bucks a gallon. But if you look at the coast, they're seven bucks a gallon. So yeah, it's hard here, but not as hard. Same thing we've talked about a lot with regard to housing. We permitted a just a ton of homes here in the Austin metro area, same amount as the New York metro, but New York is 10 times the population. So, you know, we're doing that kind of stuff. The strength that we have, and I want to circle back to why the we are cool, is, you know, as we said, we're, we're, we're positioned well. We, we seem to punch above our weight. And what was the reason for that? And I think the, the coolness factor has left a strong, positive impression of anybody that touches Austin in some way, right? Or you know somebody, whether you are, I mean, I think one of the fact we export people as well. We have UT is one of the largest, if not, I always forget if it's one or two, and that probably changes on a constant basis, you know, largest universities. So you have people, you know, UT grads all over the country. You have, so you, you have people 
consuming our, you know, CPG, alcohol, those things that have the kind of the Austin flavor. So everybody has that positive experience, uh, that positive experience. And so there's this natural inclination to, when you see the good news, Hey, it's the fastest growing, um, Metro, or it is the job numbers are up or whatever it may be that just permeates into kind of the narrative. And I think that's one of the, the important parts outside of just, yeah, South by and ACL and F1 is all, are all fun and cool, but how they actually link back to the innovation system, right? They all give people, like you said, a chance to touch Austin and walk away with a smile on their face. The first and second, the third time they come here, eventually they think I want to be part of that. And gee, that's what we thought. And we came here. Yeah. No. I mean, it's funny because for us, yeah, this is, I always kind of joke, this is the the fourth time that, you know, Sarah and I had considered coming here, you know, between for undergraduate, you know, UT was her second choice, for grad school was her second choice. We almost moved here in 11, 12 uh, for job reasons. And then, so it was just kind of there. And then, we, you know, we took that opportunity, which then leads to the... The next set, right? The Austin environment. What happened when we landed? And I, I really want to talk about, you know, the, the we have a culture of helping, which what that means with open networks and collaboration, right? And it was amazing to me how fast, I like to always use the onion metaphor for an ecosystem, right? If you go the, you know, the layers that go down between and, you know, whether you use influence, money, power, whatever it is, as you kind of go down to the center, right? And it was amazing to me how fast I descended into the ecosystem and met a whole variety of really interesting people who had strong influence really quick. And part of that being the, when somebody said they were going to make an introduction, 80% of the time they did, which outside of Austin, I'd be like, that's not the normal hit rate of something like no, that. No, not at all. And I think I've said this a couple of times. In the 18 months we've been here and all the people we've met, almost without exception, they've been welcoming and willing to help and make those introductions and coming out of Southern California, you know, the fear was always that they were going to look at us as, you know, the, the least desirable of all people to come here. No, we don't want to change it. We want to enjoy it. So that, that culture is meaningful. I mean, when I was at South by, right, there were a couple of quotes that stood out. So one there was a Jim Breyer, Michael Dell, and I've said this before, uh, you know, panel. And, you know, and Jim, I think it was obviously a playoff of Michael's um, uh, book that recently came out, said, you know, you can play nice and win in Austin, which was different than every other ecosystem. The interesting thing is that, and I've said this a lot, there are a lot of things about Austin today that remind me of California back in the 60s. And what you're describing about being able to play nice and win is exactly the way you'd see people describe Silicon Valley in the 60s with Fairchild and the beginning of Intel and everything else. And there was a collaborative spirit, you know, the homebrew PC club has to be the birthplace of, I don't know how many tech companies in Silicon Valley, but it was that kind of cooperation that grew the Valley to be what it is today. And I see it a lot here. Good for us, keep it up guys. Yeah. I mean, when I was at the uh, Texas Unicorns panel and asked the question, what's our secret sauce? It was, you know, Julia Creek said it's the lack of pretense. You know, the the guy from uh, Self Financial, I think it's James Garvey, was like, it's the people. So this real kind of, it is this kind of collaborative nature and people willing to go out on a limb. Like, I'll call it, you know, Kane from KDT. 
you know, I was introduced to him, met him once, kind enough to do the time. He extended me an invite to a curated happy hour. And I'll just say three different podcast episodes were the result of that. So Kane, thank you for that, uh, for that invite. And it just kind of shows that the, that kind of extension, that wanting to pull people in and wanting to be a part and where the things go. And I think that's, that's been a strong piece of my journey here. And I think what's also made why the podcast is resonating. Yeah, but I don't want to forget some of the things that make Texas unique, not just Austin and Central Texas. Because Texas is physically so large, we can talk about the Texas Triangle. We could talk about you know Dallas and Fort Worth. We could talk about Austin and San Antonio or Austin, Space, San Antonio, and then Houston. To have those kinds of powerhouses in one state is unheard of. And each one has their own specific superpower, if you will. And that makes all the rest of the triangle that much stronger. There's a, but there's a connective tissue amongst that. So I think the only other, obviously, California with LA, San Diego, and the Bay Area. But as someone who spent my entire life there, I obviously have connections and contacts in, in those, org- those areas. But there's not a real connective tissue. There's not... I know there are people trying to create the SoCal innovation, you know, ecosystem with Santa Barbara to the border. I'll say as somebody who came from there, that doesn't exist. No. And where that comes in here, which was interesting, is I remember, I'll never forget this, you know, I put out on LinkedIn, you know, January 1, 2021, hey, I'm here, anybody know anybody in Austin, love to meet people, right? And what was interesting is without trying, I met people in San Antonio, Dallas, and Houston. So there was already this kind of, you should meet this person, you should kind of connect in. And so when we've had these conversations with, um, you know, uh, our road trip to Tennessee, to Nashville and Atlanta and the super Southeast. And while, you know, we talked with Flyover Coalition, the Heartland, all of these kind of super regions, but there's the question of what happens when you leave the state, right? There's some, there's enough of a singular environment in the state. And Texas is one of the few states that's large enough to do that. Exactly. Yeah, and, and although we used to joke, okay, pop geography quiz, folks, where's the Pendleton Wall? For those of you that have been in the armed forces, you know, Camp Pendleton's the West Coast home of the Marine Corps, and it is North San Diego County. And we used to joke on either side of that wall that it was a fairly tall wall to get across. People in San Diego didn't deal with people in Orange County or L.A. County, and people in L.A. County... And Orange County didn't deal so much with folks in, in San Diego. I know I was commuting from Orange County to San Diego for a little while, and people didn't realize it was the same distance from my home in central Orange County to LAX as it was to San Diego Airport. So I could take either one of those, and I didn't care which airport I used. Well, the funny thing is, I think from a distance perspective, they were very, they were much shorter to get to LAX. From a time perspective, it's a whole different ballgame. Yes, yes. No, it was funny because when we're moving from LA to San Diego, and we lived in Orange County for that year. And so, you know, Sarah was commuting to LA, and I think she thinks she had to go 30 miles, and I was commuting to San Diego and had to go 70. And there were, we'd leave at the same time, and there were definitely times I'd beat her back. The connective tissue that we talk about being in Texas doesn't exist in many other places. It doesn't exist on the eastern seaboard. It doesn't exist in California. Uh, I don't think it exists between Chicago and Madison or 
whatever, Chicago and Detroit. This is a uniquely Texas kind of, of attitude. I guess we see it because Texas has its own electrical grid and uh, nobody else is on it. There's a lot of that. And, and of course, the funny part is we're not talking about obviously West Texas. And, you know, I've started to meet some people in Midland and how all of that kind of connects together. And I know we talked about that with um, with Ed about to have the Texas of the future in the transportation, you needed drones to go from, you know, Waco to uh, Midland delivering medical supplies. And it, it asked the question of how do we get back to what I'd said with things that resonate. How do we keep the connective tissue and the collaboration as we are physically spread out? Right. And that's a great segue into the Austin way. And the Austin way really is, you know, we build, we've talked about icon and the 3d printed homes. We've talked about housing coming here. And, and that's not to say that it's not uncomfortable because we're going through a housing shortage in Texas and house prices aren't what they used to be, but you know, we have a manufacturing base here. And, and one of the powers that come from that manufacturing base is the support of a middle class. Without that middle class, areas fail. And we're going to try to get, you know, a couple of demographers on later on and, and talk about how that happens and, and what, uh, what not having a middle class does. But again, we build all sorts of things. Exactly. Uh, we, we build chips, we build EVs, we build rockets, we build semiconductors, we build houses. It's all of these different things that, one, keep us safer from any individual, you know, kind of uh, recessionary environment to that. But then they're all, it's this new, it's the new level of manufacturing, right? It's not, you know, it's not the assembly line. It's not Henry Ford anymore. You're doing different things. You're managing the robots. But when you hear about, you know, 60,000 a year jobs straight out of, you know, high school, like that creates a whole different kind of, um, you know, middle class, right? We talked to Garrett at, at Austin Community College about the partnership they have with Tesla. It's, I think, a 16 week program. And Tesla pays for students to go through that program. And if you end up graduating, you've got a job at the Gigafactory. You know, originally, I think when we first were talking about moving, it was going to be 5000 Now it's 10000 and more. And that doesn't include the vendors. Manufacturing today is going and making sure the robots are doing what they're supposed to be doing in a lot of ways. And that's not the dirty factory jobs of 100 years ago. No, there's a, there's a great drone video. Uh, it's more, it's the Berlin gigafactory but it reminds me like the sem- the thing i think about the semiconductor factories and you know the tesla factory they're so clean mm-hmm. it is very kind you know sterile is not the right word necessarily and i think well on the chip side that is you see them in that the has almost the hazmats or whatever but it's just this kind of it, it is a very different image than and then kind of that and i think that's you know we're getting back to kind of that being such an important part and it's continuing you know to move to move south, right? It was in, you know, the north, the north, right? And then it was the, the heartland. And that's one of the reasons I think that when I think about, you know, I don't like Silicon X, but that doesn't mean we can't see symbols, we can't see metaphors of war. And, you know, I've said this before, like, I think that there's a possibility that Austin, if I was to compare it, can possibly be Silicon Valley at its peak and Detroit at its peak. Right. And that and is this... And that's the power of and, and that's the superpower and like you said, sector diversity, manufacturing versus service jobs and knowledge working, middle class along with folks doing very, very well and unfortunately folks doing not so well. But you look at where we are. 
space, life science, consumer packaged goods, the internet, hardware, chips, services. Who do you want to talk about? You want to talk about Visa with their campus here? How about Meta? How about Apple? By the way, Apple actually does manufacture one specific computer here in Austin. It's their lowest volume thing, but it's their only stateside manufacturing. I don't know what's going to happen when they upgrade that uh, computer, but all of these folks are coming here. All of these folks are building here, even if they don't have a headquarters here. I don't know how many people, well, let's look at Oracle. Oracle started in the Valley, started Redwood Shores, and now their facility here can hold 6,500 employees, and they're building more, and they're building more, and they moved their headquarters here. But if you look at, at Meta or you look at Google, they're going to take that amazing new building downtown, and they're going to take the whole thing. I don't know offhand, but I'm sure somebody will tell me that Google has X number of people here, and that compares very favorably to what they have in Mountain View. And Visa has X number of people in the South Bay area in California, and they have Y number of people here, and that compares very favorably. It's interesting because in, in when we had Ross on for the fourth episode, he went back in terms of his history, he talked about when he was doing consulting for Apple, how when Steve Jobs asked him, where should we put this other facility? His first answer in the 90s was Austin. And look where, you know, look where Apple is now. And they're still building more buildings here. And I think the and gets back to that challenge that I'm, I'm concerned about, right? Is the and is also the idea exchange and the talent exchange, right? Because that convergence, you know, biology and computation um, creates synthetic biology, which is, the, you know, engineered biology, right? You have business model shifting in different ways, right? Look at Everlywell. Right. Yeah. Great example of business model innovation there. Right. At the core, the, the, there's no product necessarily innovation. It's just taking e-commerce to labs. And, and that is not at all me negating what they did. That actually, we need more business model innovation in, in life science and, and, and health tech. And so... One of the things I remember we were talking about with Fashad on the, the startup genome, which I think may have been a new data point, I, I may be wrong, in this, was the importance of, he, he called it legacy, right? That having, it's not just the, the startups, right? This is one reason you and I continuously use the word innovation ecosystem than the startup ecosystem, right? right. Because having these large companies, both as training, as acquirers, as talent, as partners, all within the ecosystem, it goes, it kind of has that goes back and forth and you need all of that, right? And you need, I want to see, hey, how does e-commerce work for life science? How do I think about subscription models for uh, electric vehicles? I don't know, making it up, right? But really having those business- Ferry is right. doing that. Yeah. So having all of these different kind of modes, both from the technological perspective, both from the business model perspective, the talent coming together, that's, that's, I think that and is so much more of our secret sauce. And I think that's one of the, one of the areas that I think some of the, we really outscore and outpunch other ecosystems is they end up being extraordinarily dominated by a single, you know, sector, right. which is, can be good. You can be the, the leader of that type of sector. Right. And I, I think we're seeing that, uh, you know, whether we call it consumer internet web three, I, mean, I think web three is kind of the next, that's a lot of you know, what the Bay area is becoming. Right. And so you have the world-class institutions of that, and it crowds out a little bit of those things. But now the moment that we have such a kind of a, a diverse ecosystem of 
the types of things you keep that going, right? And how do we think about those collisions when downtown and and site preview? You know, we're having um, you know an episode coming up with uh, the managing director of Gensler to talk about the innovation districts. And well, if we have a polycentric geography and an innovation district, how do those things kind of work together? How do we get people to talk? I remember Tom Singer talked about used to be able to do the three, three name tag day. Yeah, yeah like, I was just going to bring that up. Yeah, and that's not that's not as doable anymore, right? So how do we think about that? How do we keep that going, especially as we keep expanding? And then and, it's, and once you solve the Bass Drop to Georgetown connectivity, I think the Austin to Dallas is relatively the same model, right? Maybe slightly longer. And I think those are going to be really the challenges outside of building the infrastructure that we need going forward and the the growth, I don't say problems, the growth challenges that we have, right? Yeah, and and clearly all the things we've spent the last half hour or so talking about have led to Austin's incredible results. And that makes me, and I think Jason will say the same thing, incredibly optimistic around about Austin's future. So we always end up with the same kind of questions, but we're going to split it today into two questions. So first, what's next, Austin? And I'm going to steal this from Mark Nathan. In a word, more. There's more that's going to be here in terms of more companies, more headquarters, more great people, more culture, and more uh, music. And one of the things that's going to make that happen as our startup and innovation ecosystem grows and matures is this great recycling of capital. We're about to see the same kind of thing that people talk about the first time Dell went public, where they had the Dellionaires and they started recycling that money. We're going to see that now multiple times over. We've got, I think, 16, 17 unicorns, maybe a couple more now. And, you know, as those things reach exits, if everything works well, then they're going to stay here in Austin and they're going to want to do their next gig. And they're going to want to have their next act. And that's just going to be explosive. So I want to talk about what's next, Austin, next podcast. So first off, we're going to take next week off. It's the July 4th week. We're going to go take a vacation, celebrate the holiday. So there won't be any podcast that week. And then, you know, year two starts. We're going to be back with more. We've got a lot of really interesting stuff already already set up. We're talking with some interesting people, um, wanting to new topics, new questions, try out some new formats, love to get any feedback. You know, this is our second episode that's just you and I, and do people like this or should they like stick to interviewing people? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm open to whatever, right? We're also going to try to submit a podcast panel or whatever you want to call it for the, for South by next year. So we're going to be uh, going through the panel picker and we'll definitely be pushing that link out and hopefully for all your, all your support to help us kind of get through that. If you like what we're doing now, imagine what we're doing live at South by. Yeah, another, another, almost another whole year under our belt of getting better at this, right? We're talking about starting a newsletter. So, you know, we, we're going to put into the show notes of this a link to kind of a survey of what people would want to see in that. And we, this is not a situation of trying to be what's already out there. We want to try to bring other new things. So we're open to all that. And yeah, the biggest thing is, you know, thanks for the support. This has been an amazing year and, you know, wouldn't have done this without the people listening and the people who are really supportive both on the audience side and on the guest side and you know want your input follow us everywhere and yeah let's keep going thanks much everybody 
You have a great, great Independence Day week. So what's next, Austin? We're glad you've joined us on this journey. Please subscribe at your favorite podcast catcher, leave us a review, and let your colleagues know about us. This will help us grow the podcast and continue bringing you unique interviews and insights. Thanks again for listening and see you soon.